You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, Episode 78, Church Scandals and Mousetraps. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Hey, welcome to the show this week. Uh, been kind of a tough week for, I think, a lot of you who have been following the news, and particularly the news out of Pennsylvania, and I thought that I would take a few minutes this week and try to offer some encouragement in how we might go forward in situations like this. And uh, so I have a number of other topics I'd love to talk about, but I think that this is timely, and I've been getting some feedback from many of you saying that that uh, that's very, very discouraging. In fact, I'm holding in my hand right now a note from an individual who wants to drop out of his church's uh, catechetical class, learning about the catechism because of the situation going on in Pennsylvania. So it's definitely having some kind of effect on the laity, and that's one of the unfortunate uh, uh, fallout uh, portions here is that it does affect people's lives, and particularly those who are new in their faith, or those who have been hanging on by, you know, by the skin of their teeth, so to speak. It's very, 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 very difficult. And it's very difficult for evangelization. And I think we need to band together. We need to work together and, and pray for each other and pray for our leaders uh, about the current situation. So I'm going to talk about the church scandals and mousetraps and uh, kind of equate the two just a little bit. Uh, people have been asking, you know, you know what, what should we think in a situation like this? And um, I am not the expert on this. I'll tell you that. I, I, I'm not an expert on anything, to be honest with you. But I have uh, really come to uh, really depend, you know, upon the truth of Jesus Christ and the fact that he is the leader of the church. The Holy Spirit is among us, but as you can read all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that when God is even present, there are still people that uh, we mess up our lives, you know, and we do things that we shouldn't do, and, and it has consequences. I'm reminded of what uh, St. John Paul II said when he talked about sin. He said there really is no such thing as private sin. It all affects all of us, and it's like throwing a rock into the middle of a pond, and the ripples will hit all shores. And so, uh, we are facing a, a, a difficulty right now. Now, one of the articles that I read, which I'm going to put in the show notes to you, I think is very, very important, and it's a, an article by uh, Ralph Martin. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for oh, over 20 years now, and he is just a very smart man. He's a very holy man, and he's a part of uh, the team at Renewal Ministries, Renewal Ministries, uh, over in Michigan, and I'm going to put the the link to his letter about, you know, what do we do, Dear Troubled Catholics, a letter from Ralph Martin about the current crisis. And he brings out in that article a few things that, that we should do, and I'm going to bring those up at the end of the show today, because I want to talk a little bit about uh, the trap of being scandalized, uh, and being uh, dis- discouraged and letting letting the situation in the world today steal the joy of following Jesus from you. I'm not saying that it isn't going to affect us, but we certainly don't have to uh, to to step down with our own walk with the Lord simply because of what other people uh, have been have been doing or what they haven't been doing. 
So, you know, I, I want to start off by, by saying that in John 16, 33, and I'm going to put these in the show notes for you. And by the way, some of you have been writing and saying, I'd like to get the show notes too. All you have to do is send me an email, thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. That's the Jeff Caven Show. The is important there. The Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. And just put in the subject line, I want the notes. I want show notes. We'll put you on that list and they'll be sent to you every week. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's the message from the Lord is that he has overcome the world and problems in the church are not foreign. In fact, if you read all of Paul's letters to the churches, except for Ephesus, to the Ephesians, you'll see that what is he doing? He is he, he's hitting problems straight on from jealousy and infighting to incest to you name it. You know, he's, he's going after all the problems of this, this growing church. Now, when Jesus said in John 16, 33, he says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That word trouble in Greek speaks of pressure, anguish, tribulation, burdened. He says, but he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And that word overcome means to subdue, to conquer, to overcome, to prevail, to get the victory. All right? And I, my prayer is that we will get the victory in this situation. One of the greatest obstacles we have to overcome in our walk with the Lord is the obstacle of being offended by others. So how would you, how would you define the word offended. Well, the dictionary tells us that offended is the condition of being hurt, angry, resentful. And I know from some of your letters that your response to the the uh, the Philadelphia or not the Philadelphia but the the Pennsylvania scandal which some say is now the tip of the iceberg is that you're angry and resentful and it's you know you're hurt and and these are natural responses i think too when leadership lets us down uh whether it's in the family or whether it's in our own parish or whether it's in a diocese oftentimes being offended is is followed by bitterness and unforgiveness and this is where it gets dangerous and i'm going to really i'm going to really um exhort, if you want to use that word, you and myself, to not get in the trap of unforgiveness and bitterness. Uh, either one can greatly hinder your growth as a disciple of the Lord. But together, uh, if, you get, if you get bitterness and unforgiveness together, it can literally immobilize you. And you don't want that. You don't want that. Your children don't want you immobilized. Your friends don't want you immobilized. Your you know, employer, if you're working in a, in a ministry, they don't want you immobilized. But more than anything else, my friend, Jesus doesn't want you to be immobilized. It was for freedom that he set you free. So unforgiveness is due to an offense, and it can drive you into the pits of depression and bitterness. And I'd like to show you today that when you have the opportunity to be offended, it can be an opportunity for growth in your life, in your parish life. Two things I've noticed about this subject of offense and unforgiveness. Two things. Number one, that I have the opportunity to be offended right when God has something special going on in my life. 
And as I look back now, you know, in my, my life and, and where I'm at, uh, so many times God was just on the verge of doing some amazing things in the ministry, in our family, and in my own life. And then something came up that really gave me the opportunity to be immobilized through unforgiveness and bitterness. So that's number, number one, the timing. Number two, it's always geared, unforgiveness and, and bitterness is always geared towards stopping me from being obedient to Jesus. It like, it, it's like it puts a barrier up in front of me. Now, unforgiveness and being offended are carefully laid traps of the enemy with the purpose of immobilizing you. I'm not saying that what other leaders have done around the, the world and Rome and around South America, the United States, and so forth. I'm not saying that those aren't having a direct impact on us, but I am saying this, that the enemy, who is very real, can use these situations to steal your joy and to steal life and to, to steal your, your faith in God and uh, in his faithfulness, it's your trust in his faithfulness. They undermine uh, your trust in his kindness, in his kindness and his word, and we can't let that happen. Unforgiveness, bitterness, to be scandalized can be a trap, and uh, taking offense can be a trap. Now, here's what's really interesting, and perhaps I'll even put a picture of one of these traps in my show notes in case you have never seen a mouse trap. Most people have seen a mouse trap. The little wooden mouse traps were so popular when we were younger, and you would put a piece of cheese on this little metal bar, and you'd place another bar across it so that at the moment that the cheese was taken, bam, I mean, slap, that the, the mouse's life is, is either greatly inhibited or ended, you know, at that point. They've got other kinds of traps now, which are uh, more, I guess, humane. But uh, anyway, the, the, the type of trap that I'm talking about, I'm going to put a picture uh, in the show notes. Now, here's what's really interesting about it, is that that little bar on the trap that you put the cheese on, that you're hoping the mouse will come to and, and grab that bait, you know, it's like it's that juicy bait. That little bar that you put the cheese on is in Greek called the scandalon. It's the scandalon. I'll put this in the show notes. It was originally was the name of the part of the trap which the bait was attached, and it and and it was a uh, a, a hindrance which causes a fall. And uh, when you knew the moment the mouse takes that bait on the scandalon, bam. He's trapped, or she's trapped, one of the two. Now, an offense, to be offended, to be scandalized, can be a trap. I think it's a natural thing to feel scandalized in situations like this. But what we have to watch for is, I don't want to take the bait and become immobilized in my walk with the Lord. I want that joy to continue on as I talk to my children and, and all the people that I'm teaching. I don't want to give up on Jesus Christ and his church, which has been everything to us, everything to us. It's the pillar and support of truth. It is the conduit in which God reaches the world. It is the family that he formed for us to grow in as a hospital for the sick. It is the source of sacraments. It is the tradition from which the word of God comes. I'm not going to give up on it. 
Are there, are there characters in the church? Are there people who let people down? Yes. I've, I've let my own family down from time to time. You know, maybe I got angry or whatever. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't an adequate witness of Jesus Christ in front of my kids and I had to apologize. We all are frail and we can't give up on the one thing that God has given us. Okay, so unforgiveness and being offended can be a trap. It's an, an, an offense is a deliberately laid trap by the enemy to get you to fall, to put you out of commission. In other words, you're trapped. And there's a couple things about a trap that you, you have to remember, and that is that the person, uh, well, you have to remember this. Number one, a trap doesn't look like a trap. So if you're all of a sudden you become so uh, offended and scandalized and, and you want to give up and it immobilizes you, the trap doesn't look like a trap to you, but suddenly you're in it. And the second thing about a trap is that it's stronger than the one that it is intended for. In other words, if I'm in a trap that was set for me, it is stronger than me and I need help to get out of it. But what I'm saying on this show today is, don't get in it. Don't get in that trap. Now, there's some things that Ralph Martin says in his letter that I'm going to read to you at the end here and suggest that you go get that letter yourself. But uh, number one, do not allow yourself to get trapped, okay? An offense is a deliberately laid trap of the enemy. And the person, the person that you offend, that, that who offended you, you might not even know them. I would I would say that most of the, the names that have been brought up in this scandal, you don't know them. You've never met them. But the person who offended you may not even know that they offended you, but the, the devil has laid a trap for you to put you in bondage and render you unproductive. Now, what happens to us at this point of offense where we become scandalized? Well, when we are offended or trapped, we have a sense of being violated. We have a sense that someone is taken something from us, and we should be paid back. We have a feeling that the score should be evened. We want a pound of flesh for the offense. But listen to this. 2,000 years ago, a baby was born in Bethlehem. This wasn't just another boy. This was God coming to dwell with man. This baby would grow up as the Son of God, and he would show us a better way to deal with the hurt and the pain and the rejection and the scandalized uh, situations that we find ourselves in, a way that would transcend retaliation, a way that would do away with controlling one another by unforgiveness. And this way I speak of is the way of forgiveness. And I'm not talking just about forgiveness on the show today. I'm talking about keeping our relationship with God, keeping it sound, okay? Now, forgiveness is to absolve someone. It's really to release someone of the, of the wrong that they have done us. And I think that one of the ways that we avoid this trap to be scandalized is we have to continue to walk in, in forgiveness, no matter how hard that is. It's, I, you know, I've often argued that forgiveness is the hardest part of being a disciple of Christ. Why? Because there's no other way to do it other than the cross. You can say, oh yeah, I forgive you. But if you, if you don't truly take it to the cross and say, I forgive you because he forgave you, then it might not mean a whole lot, but it's the hardest thing because it requires dying 
to ourselves, dying to ourselves. So when you find yourself offended or walking in unforgiveness, you're trapped. You're trapped. But I want to give you a scripture here that is so beautiful. Before I, before I give you that scripture, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I want to give you a number of scriptures here that will help you in this situation and a word of, of, of exhortation to continue on in your vocation. Fathers, do not step back from being a father. Mothers, do not walk away from being a mother and a spiritual mother to your children. Faithful disciples of Christ, continue in what you know to do, because that's the answer. Will we become smaller? Perhaps. Cardinal George used to talk about it in Chicago, but he also said we'll come back stronger, and judgment begins in the house of God. I'm Jeff Cavins. You're listening to The Jeff Cavins Show, and I'll be right back. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith on your own. In fact, the Bible reveals that we need a community of people to help us on our journey of faith. If you're interested in finding that community by joining or starting a small group study, visit ascensionpress.com and sign up for a free Ascension account. With your account, you'll get all the tools you need to start walking with others towards Christ. Welcome back. We're talking about uh, church scandals and mouse traps, and about being scandalized. Don't take the bait. That little bar on the mouse trap is called the scandalon, and it's set up as a trap. And it's a trap to immobilize us, and we can't afford to do that right now. This is the time that we step up to the plate. We walk in righteousness. We depend on God in prayer. We humble ourselves. We walk by faith and we become Christ in the world. This is our time right now. This is our mission right now. Psalm 124, verses 6 through 8 says, Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 124. I put it in the show notes. I love that psalm because basically what it's saying is, hey, we've been caught up in the snare, you know, the fowler's snare. We're trapped. We can't fly. We can't do anything. But praise be to God. We have been taken out of the snare. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. And that's what Jesus will do. If you, if you find yourself scandalized, find yourself hurt, find yourself bitter and walking in unforgiveness, you need to go and be, re, be freed from that so that you can continue on to be the person that God has called you to be. Go to confession. Now, you might say, oh, Jeff, you sound like this is just so easy and you're, you're not taking this seriously. Oh, oh, I take it seriously, so seriously that I can find no other place of rest than the cross and the resurrection. And I, I take great comfort and peace in the words of the Lord, who says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. He is the place to flee to. He is our cover. Read Psalm 91, great comfort. You see, the blood of Jesus is stronger than the traps of offense. 
And I believe that. But in order for the blood's power, the blood of Christ, for the blood of Christ, that power to be effective in our lives, we must walk as he walked. In other words, we must release others when we have been wronged. Then we start. We start to build and we start to encourage and we start to to raise up the name of Jesus in our communities. In Psalm 119 and 165, it says, Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Jesus said in John 16, 1, All this I have told you, so that you will not go astray. Paul said a couple things. I'll put these in the notes for you. Romans 6, verses 17 and 18, Paul says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So what Paul's saying there, my friend, is that when we find ourselves uh, doing his word, we're free. We are sons and daughters of God. And we don't want to be slaves to unrighteousness. How do you get set free? You wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. We don't sit back idly and say, well, I'm going to be patient, as if patience were a state of passivity, that if we wait long enough, good things are going to happen. No, no. We wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching. We become free. We become leaders. We become lights that shine salt in the earth. And that's why John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus said. And one of my all-time favorite verses is Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This last week, I, my wife and I went to Mass on Sunday night. It was a a great mass in, in Minneapolis, and in, actually in Medina, Minnesota, our holy name of Jesus. Young priest there just gave a great message, and afterwards I told him so. And one of the things he said was just so so beautiful. He talked about how before Jesus gave himself, he knew he's going to be betrayed, but he still gave himself. You know, Peter was going to deny him three times, and Jesus knew it and even predicted it, and Jesus denied that he would do it, but he did it, and Jesus still gave himself. In the face of of denial, in the face of betrayal at the hands of Judas, he still gave. He still obeyed the Father and did everything he was called to today. With the scandal, he knew, but he still gives himself to you in the Eucharist. He still gives himself to you in the precious blood. He still meets you in the sacraments. Receive him. Don't reject him because of the scandals. Don't judge Jesus on the basis of Judas. Don't judge Jesus on the basis of the downfalls of men and women. Judge him by what he did, that he went to the cross. He gave his life for you so that definitive suffering would be dealt with and you would be with him forever and ever and ever. He had to cross these scandals himself in order to love you. Will you cross 
the scandals in order to love him back and to be a leader for him? I hope you will. I really, really hope you will. I was reminded of this just yesterday. Just yesterday, I had an opportunity where I engaged with a homeless man. I was talking to him. And he only had the clothes on his back and some winter shoes and a leather coat. And I saw his need. You know, I could think, well, there's so much going on at church today. I don't have time to do this right now. I'm all mad. I'm, I'm angry or whatever. But you know what? There was this homeless guy. And I took him up to a store and, and I uh, said, let's get a shirt. Let's get a couple shirts and things for you. And so I took him to the store, trying to be an activated disciple, to do what Jesus does. And I discovered something in the middle of it. I found myself treating him like Jesus. And so I, I kind of took note and thought to myself, I'm taking Jesus to Kohl's. I'm taking Jesus over to the men's shirt section. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> Jesus was even picky about what shirt. And I thought, well, this is incredible. And here's a man with nothing, and he's living in a homeless shelter, and he has dignity. There are certain shirts he likes and certain shirts he doesn't like. And I'm thinking, hey, man, you don't have any shirts. Take whatever I give you. And he's thinking, well, I kind of like this and that. I thought, this is beautiful. And to be able to serve the Lord like that. Then I found out that after that, the Lord, this guy, wanted a pack of cigarettes. So uh, it's all he had in the world. So I took him to a store and bought him a pack of cigarettes and a lighter. When you know it, the lady at the counter knew me. I didn't have to explain at that point why I was buying these cigarettes. I don't smoke. But I thought, well, this is kind of funny, you know, that in the middle of all of this, still Christ is reaching out to the poor. Still Christ is is bringing hope to the homeless and clothes to those who don't have them and food to the hungry. I say that not to just say this is what I was doing yesterday, but I found it interesting that Jesus crossed my path yesterday in a homeless man, and I want to be free myself. And so I'm going to wholeheartedly obey all that he says. Now, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned to you about Ralph Martin and this tremendous letter that he wrote, which was very, very frank. And he doesn't pull punches in this letter. I recommend it. I'm putting it in the show notes for you, the the link. He mentions at the end of them a few things that we should do. He says, number one, we need to go about our daily lives trying to live each day in a way pleasing to God, loving him and loving our neighbor, including the neighbor in our own families. We need to look to ourselves lest we fall. Good point. Number two, he said, we need to remember that even though we have this treasure in earthen vessels, or as some translations put it, cracked pots, the treasure is no less the treasure. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Baby Jesus is the treasure, and he is still as present as ever and still as ready to receive all who come to him at Kohl's in a men's clothing department. And the Mass, every day, he's willing to come to us in such a special way. Let's attend daily Mass even more frequently to offer the sacrifice of Jesus' death and resurrection to God the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit for the salvation of souls and the purification of the Church. Third, he says, we need to remember that the Catholic Church is indeed founded by Christ and, despite all problems, has within it 
the fullness of the means of salvation. Where else can we go? Nowhere. This is indeed our mother and home, and she needs our love, our prayers, and our persevering in the way of holiness more than ever. And then finally, he said, we need to remember that there are many truly holy and dedicated bishops and priests, and we must pray for them and support them. They need and deserve our support. The full content of that letter from Ralph Martin is in the show notes, the the link. I'll just end by saying this. I I spoke to a really a holy local priest yesterday on the phone. I'm going to be working with him doing some, some men's things. And I said to him, I said, Father, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I know this is difficult right now. And his response was so genuine. He said, oh, Jeff, thank you. He said, this is so hard. He said, I "I got to talk to the people this Sunday about this. This is hard. He said, Jeff, I'm really trying. I'm really, really trying to be a holy priest and to serve people. This has made things difficult. I said, I know, Father, I'm going to pray for you. It's made it difficult for a lot of people. They're interested in evangelization, men's ministries, women's ministries, uh, seminarians, deacons. Yes, yes, let's pray for each other. I know you're working hard. I know that you want to be successful in the kingdom of God. I know that you want your church to grow. I I know you want your children to remain Catholic. I know that I'm in the same boat. Let's not abandon Mother Church. Let's not leave each other. Let's, let's come together and pray. Some people are going to be coming up with some answers. Some people are going to be coming up with some motivational things that we need to tend to that are going to help to strengthen us. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe this podcast can help in some way. Will you do me a favor? Will you share this with your friends who are hurt? Will you share this with your family who's hurt? Go on to iTunes, give the show a ranking, give it some comments, tell your friends about it. That's why I'm sitting down here in the North Woods, thinking about the situation and knowing that you are probably looking at that piece of cheese on the mousetrap. Don't take it. Turn to Christ. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I thank you today for giving us your life, the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Mother. I thank you for giving us all the gifts you've given us in this church, your word, your guidance, your mercy, your kindness, your love, your protection. Lord, we flee to you, and we flee to our mother, and we ask for protection in this time of need, and we ask for consolation in this time of... personal desert that many are going through. We pray for our leaders. We pray for the Holy Father that that wisdom would come to the church and that we would act appropriately and that light would shine in the darkness. Oh, Jesus, we hope in you. We love you and we adore you. And we pray this in your name and we ask for the prayers of our mother hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen name of the father and the son and the holy spirit god bless you god bless you stay free